It's uh, been a tense day uh, for the media in the last 24 hours, uh, being uh, swirling accusations of dirty politics um, surrounding the Prime Minister's husband, or partner, I guess, Clark Gayford, Clark with an E, and uh, somehow, uh, yeah, I well... To preface this, we're gonna have we're gonna have some in-depth discussion uh, without veering into any questionable legal territory. But I guess the um, to kick it off, Bonnie, being the representative of uh, Young Labor and a legal scholar yourself, <laughs> why don't you just brief us on uh, what is publicly known and why we're hearing about it? Right. Okay. Well, yesterday we saw headlines. We saw absolute breaking news banners from the New Zealand Herald announcing to us all that whatever scandal you have heard, it's not a scandal. Uh, so they've released a statement from the police saying that there is uh, no investigation into Clark Gayford. Uh, it doesn't specify who was talking about that there was. It doesn't specify any other details on why he would be being investigated. Uh, but it has been a public statement. The Prime Minister has also weighed in on, on this, announcing to everyone that... Uh, Pretty much the, the Prime Minister's boyfriend is kosher. He's, he's safe. He's um, not into any uh, awful police... Nefarious activities. Nefarious activities uh, without specifying what it is. And the article itself, <laughs> if I may weigh in on it, it's uh, a very long... Uh, elephant in the room, uh, you know. It was the it was the, the number one result on the Herald oh, website yeah. yesterday. And yeah. for the content of it, barely any. It, it's it dodges around the issue a whole lot, and that is because I imagine there is some kind of suppression so order on the content. A, you know, uh, let's slip that this might be a case of dirty politics. Are you saying that the Herald article itself might be uh, a perpetuation of that dirty politics? I feel like the New Zealand Herald is really tiptoeing around the issue in a way that's a little bit kind of. But what do you think of the police? Now, I mm. guess this is the question that, um, wh why did the police, like, if the Streisand effect is coming into play where even mentioning it just sparks even more intense interest about it. That's what it is. And and the Herald is is merely reporting on the existence of a, uh, of a, of a document that was released by the police. Mm. What do you think the the police themselves were engaging in dirty politics, or it, it seems as though the police document was designed to dissuade mm -hmm. these rumors, yep. um, and everyone's furiously searching Gayford on Twitter to see <laughs> what the rumors are. Uh, but th if if the I mean if if the Herald is being accused of dirty politics by Streisand affecting this story, mm -hmm. didn't the police do the same thing by releasing the document, or what do you think's going on there? Uh, I think all we can assume is that whatever issue it was, it was uh, pressing enough for the police to release a statement. I think we have to assume that much value was put into it. And then I guess there's also questions of whether the police minister was involved in um, sort of prompting this. And, and I guess um, I haven't had a whole lot of time to read into it, but mm. essentially saying if it were the police minister who told the police commissioner to put this document out to quell these rumors, that would almost be a, um, a politicization of the, the police ministry in the sense of um, the prime minister's husband's having a hard time on Twitter. Can the police please go release a document? Or It, it seems a little unprecedented to me. I mean... Um, there's a lot of, you know, we don't have the National Enquirer or those type of tabloids here in New Zealand, but every leader of every major Western country has conspiracy theories about them or their spouse, um, often pretty pernicious. I mean, 
the ones that I've heard about, uh, Jacinda and Clark, don't seem um, particularly bad or offensive, um, let alone, you know, warranting this kind of, uh, this type of reaction almost uh, seems to get people speculating even more. If, if, if Jacinda and Clark themselves were, were prompting this statement to come out in any way saying, you know, we're sick of these rumors, which it sounds like they were. It sounds like there is definitely rumors. It sounds like they're definitely sick of them and wanted them to stop. But then in this wider act of trying to stop rumors in the age of the Internet, you're only making them worse? I don't know. What do you guys think about that? What I'm thinking is I, I think you're overestimating the role of the police in this and that they made a formal statement on it. it. I think the only thing it tells us is that the rumors have been related to a police investigation and therefore it's the police's duty to say that's incorrect. Um, I think the onus here is really on the press because what they are doing is that Streisand effect thing. They're taking something that's been dubbed a non-issue and they're making it an issue by using their platform to tell everyone that, oh, it's not an issue. Don't yeah. read into it. So I think they, they are kind of abusing their role there. So the existence of the public document from the police, you don't think... Um you don't think it was meant to instigate that, and you think the the press is being a little more uh, be, having a go. I think it would be very uh, odd if a actual ministry was trying to provoke further like public um, interest in something that they're trying to declare a non-issue. I feel that would be a real conflict of interest from a governmental department. Oh yeah, no, I I don't yeah. I don't think they would try to provoke it, but I just wonder if they thought that. If they thought through the fact that by doing it that they might provoke it? Well, it wouldn't have become an issue unless the press picked it up and decided to broadcast yeah, it. Yeah, but hang on. Like, it's the press's job as the fourth estate to talk about these things. And, like, I can't blame them too much. If, if there are rumours going round, mm. then they should be addressing it because it is news, because it is the mm. Prime Minister's partner. Mm. And that, that has implications for the government. Well, the only thing that I'll say is, like, I mean, yeah, like I was saying, lots of, le you know, political leaders have conspiracy theories about mm. them. Um, most of them don't really... Well, you know, they, they're saying it's so undignified to even respond. Yeah. Um, mm. uh, Obama hasn't gone up and said, I'm not a lizard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> or, you know, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and, and I get the impression that it wasn't a uh, reptilian shapeshifter conspiracy yeah. because, well, the police made this statement. He's, they've dignified uh, a response. They, they've, they've made it uh, into something that's got at least a little bit of weight if it's, you know, it's not obviously a lizard conspiracy. Well, and, and, and I guess the, the point that I was going to make is that, um, you know, when it is a lizard conspiracy, it's almost not worthy of a response. That's really, it. the yeah. only sort of um, rumors and conspiracies that dignify a response are ones that are plausible enough that, that they could widely perceive to be yeah. true. Well, I did read a conspiracy from uh, one Matthew Hooten. Oh yeah. I, I don't I don't believe this is the conspiracy that uh or the rumor that the police are referring to, but he did release a, a probing uh little tweet about how uh the Clark Gayford that went to England with Jacinda uh, to the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting was in fact an actor. It was not the real Clark Gayford. So Is Clark's body double the father? I <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe that's the um maybe that's what they're trying to hide. Um, but they don't dignify Did Clark that, Gayford buy the Warriors? <laughs> Is Clark Gayford the site of the new Dunedin Hospital? Is Clark Gayford John King? <laughs> I have to give Hamish McNeely credit for those jokes. Um, <laughs> but no, I think, um, you know, if it was Clark's body double is actually the father, I don't think that would dignify a response. And well, clearly it wouldn't be a police matter. They haven't yeah. specified the subject matter. Yeah. It could well be. 
Well, let's let's just think this through logically. I mean, if if it's a police, if the police are categorically denying that there's been an investigation, there's really only, um, I mean, there's a limited range of things that plausible rumors could circulate about, and then that would also involve the police. I mean, basically, um, you know, it's unlikely to be fraud or some white-collar crime because no one would really believe those rumors about Clark, and, and that's not the sort of mm. sensationalist thing. I mean, basically, for the police to issue a denial, there's only, um, there's only two possibilities for the police to issue a denial. It would have to be some... It would have to be, you know, Clark... Uh, to say Clark committed murder, you know, like he's got secret skeletons in You're the really closet. You're really digging into this issue, aren't you? Well, You're going to get to the bottom. I'm, I'm trying to do is eliminate all the things it couldn't be. So yeah, that's right. So, I am. so we know what it is. If, well, it, if it's not everything else, if it's not murder, if it's not fraud, if it's not... not, murder, not though, you know? like, true, it could be murder. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, logically, like, you know, there's only a limited range of sort of, um, you know, rumors and conspiracies that would be... Um, sort of believable enough to dignify a response yes. that would also involve the police. Um, and I reckon someone just needs to say it and see what kind of trouble they get. <laughs> well, be, be the sacrificial lamb to I, see uh, what what level. I would be happy for the to be that sacrificial. Well, see, I think you. Can, I think any thinking person can logically eliminate what those things might be, and it's clearly it's clearly a moral yeah. crime. It's something. No, it is. It clearly is. It's it's something that that. Um, that revolves around different moral posturing because it was, you know, if it was anything um, clear, like if it was anything so cut and dried criminal, then it wouldn't be this type of discussion. You know, you couldn't have rumors uh, that some people care about and some people don't yeah. care about. And so the, to me, the response, if, you know, if there's rumors swirling around of something that's plausible and you know, people who support the government say, oh, no big deal, and people who don't support the government are just trying to amp it up just for political gain. Why is the why is the response to that to say, nobody talk about this, this is nothing, nothing is happening, everyone shut up. The response to that should be, this is the rumor, it's dumb, who cares anyways? You know, there's differences of opinion as to whether or not this yeah. is even bad. And instead of, um, you know, making a, a, a moral leap in the New Zealand uh, political discussion, we're, we're having, um, you know, blogger battles about d name suppression and dirty politics. I mean, this is so 2014. Um, yeah, it just, uh, it's basically like a slow news day at the Herald, maybe, I guess. Well, well, I, I agree. I think the whole thing's been handled so murkily that it's, it's open to any number of interpretations. Mm. But I think what most of us can probably agree on is that the suppression of free speech around it all, where we've had published threats for anyone who discusses the content of the rumor from Clark Gayford's lawyer, where no major media outlets are, as you say, Acknowledging what the rumor is actually. There's been about. quite a lot of anxiety in the Radio One office about yeah. this. Yeah, that that just um yeah that rubs everyone yeah. the wrong way. It gets people more interested. Mm. It gets everyone searching on Twitter. You know what could the rumors be? It's um I'd say confront it head on and say you know some crazy person said this mm. and it's obviously not true and who cares anyways? I mean unless of course. The rumor is is a little too close to home. Mm. 
Uh, To me, it would only warrant this type of illogical response if it was too close to home. And it may not be true, uh, but maybe some parts of it are. I mean, that's my interpretation Mm -hmm. of this saga. And hopefully we will not be getting any legal threats or broadcasting (laughs) standards complaints. But uh, what we'll do is we will play some uh, music. We'll play some uh, Teen Dynamite. And first we'll uh, start off with the track... Bitches Broken Hearts by Billy Elish, in no way related to the content of what we were just discussing. We don't even know what the rumors are. <laughs> don't read into it. Um, but uh, we'll come back. We'll come back and we'll discuss some more uh, mundane uh, political policy issues, such as GST on online purchases and uh, the petrol tax and general uh, sort of environmental improvement and and who is it costing the most. Very controversial issues. Uh, And again, in no way related to the rumors. (laughs) (laughs) He's not a tax fraud that we know of. Uh, You're on the one. 91 FM. We're back with some substantive discussions of the issue. No more rumor mongering here at Radio 1. And... We've had some announcements on tax. Uh, you know, tax was sort of identified, um, you know, by the uh, opposition forces as the Achilles heel of uh, the labor government, uh, even during the campaign. And now that they've actually had to implement some taxes, um, well, nobody likes taxes. Uh, but let's talk first about the petrol tax. Um, essentially, uh, you know, labor's thrust uh, with Greens as their coalition partner is... Um, you know, uh, things have to be paid, the the cost of the environment have to be paid for through things like the petrol tax, you know, funding from roading can't come at the expense of other social programs, users of the roads have to pay. And, you know, while we're at it, why, let's, why don't we roll into that, the idea of, um, you know, other sorts of levies or charges that may come in with regard to incentivizing, say, electric car use or switching over to solar or, you know, all of these things are essentially attacks to um, get us to internalize our environmental cost a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, though, when it comes to money, nobody likes to pay a tax. And the argument that we're seeing um, that seems to have the most cut through in terms of well, you can't really argue that people should internalize their costs to the environment more. That's fairly well established. But the thing that we can argue about is can poor people afford that? And are these the way these sort of um, taxes and um, levies are designed, you know, are they going to end up impacting the people who can afford at least the most? Um, who wants to start off with their particular party's talking point on this issue? I think what you've said there, Abe, is completely true. It is gonna, the, it's a regressive tax, so it is going to impact um, relatively those who are less well off already. And it just uh, sucks. I'd, I'd much rather see some sort of wealth tax go into place. Obviously, uh, Labour's ruled that out this cycle. And the, the other thing that, um, this is on the Greens as well, um, the budget responsibility rules are really tying the government's um, hands behind their back at the moment because they can't, they've promised all these things which um, they're just not going to be able to fulfil at the moment without um, actually spending. So, yeah, I, regressive tax isn't the way to do it, but I'm not sure what are the ways there are at the moment. It would be hard to... Um probably a little big brotherish to to charge people a petrol tax based on their income for yeah, instance yeah. So, not yeah, not that, really feasible yeah yeah, yeah 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 so i'm not sure what alternatives there are other than a wealth tax or i guess user pays toll roads but then that is pretty tricky as well and that's a large yeah. capital investment to set up toll roads okay more centrist counterpoint viv 
<laughs> Crikey, Jack. Uh -huh. um, I just think um, um, there's nothing wrong with a fuel tax, obviously. Yeah, as well, as Nationals like, presided yeah. over yeah, yeah. steadily <laughs> increasing <laughs> fuel taxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, a few, you know. Um, but it's as long as the money that's being generated stays within the transport industry. Okay. So by developing a more clean, green, sort of environmental strategy for transport is going to be key. And it's like light rail. Yeah. <laughs> now, is there any implication that this fuel tax is any different than any of the previous fuel taxes under national? I mean, is there is there the implication that some of this additional revenue may go outside the roading budget, or is it uh, implicit that this is to make up shortfalls in the roading budget? It's definitely there to make up some shortfalls in Auckland specifically. So Auckland's um, new regional fuel tax that they have just got just for Auckland is going to increase 25 cents for some people living in the outer suburbs of Auckland that don't obviously use these big roads, right. don't use main transport, and they're just sort of getting hit by it too. So now we have a town versus yeah, country, so town, uh, country narrative. within one city. And yeah. you've got to look at it, and it's, that's where the merit of, say, a toll road, a user-pay system, comes into play, which is a, a much better way and like more efficient way of allocating the cost. You love user-pays, Sam. What are your thoughts? I do love user-pays. I mean, currently, over half of the price that you pay for petrol is tax, and... On, in, in, on principle, I disagree with the government interfering in consenting transactions and saying that you've got to give that much again to us for every dollar that you want to spend on a certain good. So I disagree with that, and I think that a much more effective way would be to implement a user-pay system and to have... I mean, I mean you, see, you see it all around the world where you just have an electronic toll monitor that you put on the windshield of your car and it automatically just tracks the roads that you drive on and you are invoiced accordingly. And I think that that is an infinitely more sensible way to do it and an infinitely more fair way to do it. In terms of the Auckland regional fuel tax, the petrol is already quite a bit cheaper in Auckland if you ever go up there, and they're all Aucklanders, so I've got very little sympathy. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, so, I mean, it, there is there has been a little bit of an implication that maybe people even outside of uh, the Auckland super city, you know, even maybe in the South Island, might end up be paying for some of these uh, Auckland roading projects. And, of course, as a... You know, as as one country, we all pay for a lot of shit that we don't use in Auckland because half the people live there. Yeah. Um, well, that's part discuss. of the society. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah that's yeah. what that's what the whole tax system is based on. So it seems pretty outrageous that people are trying to foster some sort of uh, panic about the fact that the money might disproportionately be going to Auckland. I mean, mm. it's 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 nonsense. That's the whole. <laughs> that's all. We're all used all to that. That's the paradigm. If, that's if the you've dominant. Got an issue paradigm. with that, then go to. Bloody user pay. Then cut the cable, I say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it's um, the whole idea with with the tax system we have currently is it kind of it takes a village, it takes everyone paying tax to support one specific kind of area, or like university, for example, we're giving first year free. That is a tax for all people. So it's so yeah. Auckland does need us to to foster this um, public transport system, light rail to the airport in the next ten years, uh, in replacement of. Um, Nationals plan for the roads of significance. <laughs> um, and I do admit that it's a can of worms thinking about the people who are going to be um, affected by this, poor people who can't necessarily... Um, Barely afford to drive as it is. ...the yeah. idea of, of paying um, a tax for this. And so there is no kind of sympathetic answer to that. I think a user pay system has got a lot of merit, uh, and I would have liked to be privy to sessions where they discussed what they... Where they would have discussed their kind of modus operandi for figuring out 
the system but we also need to think about the end game and that is creating a first world system of public transport for Auckland which is one of the most congested and um, environmentally yeah. unfriendly systems in the country or in the southern hemisphere. Although I will say you know I've, I've been to Auckland a lot more than I have in the past in the last year or so and um, I've had to get from one part to the other and it is nightmarish mm. uh, but I will say that with the complete um, basically gridlock on every motor you know uh, motorized mode of transport bikes are really fast like actually a yeah. bike is the best way mm. to get around in Auckland and an electric bike uh, <laughs> Well, yeah. that's the thing to remember is that all, not all of this money is going to roads. There's also being public transport and cycleway yes. improvements yes. and pedestrian access. So it is providing opportunity for people to get places without having to pay the fuel tax mm. if, they, if they choose to use a different means and if they have the abil ability to. And like, Not everyone is going to be able to bike to work. No, there's um, differing opinions on the merits of this tax, but I think one tax that we're all going to uh, find loopholes to avoid if we can is the uh, Amazon tax, uh, the addition of GST on online goods. Uh, I mean, with the vagaries of the exchange rate plus shipping, um, you know, this is this is going to be annoying to a lot of people. What do you guys think of this? You're all millennials. You all, you know, live online. Um, is this just a thing that should have happened a long time ago, a blip you won't notice it, or uh, you're already thinking about the loopholes? Uh, I think essentially tax has caught up with this whiz banger of a of an invention that the internet <laughs> finally captured it and I think uh, it would have happened eventually it's happening now uh, it was posited last year by the national government uh, the Amazon tax uh, as it's being called now Viv yeah. would you care to comment I just think it's just a really outdated tax system finally catching up <laughs> it's sort yeah. of yeah, any good that's coming into New Zealand should have to pay GST, and it's been a loophole for years. It's mm. finally, we're so slow at catching up. No, <laughs> but let's finally got there. Let's talk a little bit about the specifics of it and where the loopholes may lie. Um, <laughs> uh, a how to guy. Uh, how to and, avoid tax, uh, And uh, yeah, when you when you're buying that uh, thing, uh, that four dollar item or whatever it is, um, the. They're, they're talking about uh, retailers who do over $60,000 worth of trade will be responsible for collecting the tax themselves. Yeah. So they're expecting retailers to build it into their online platform to either detect your location or have you select your location, and then they'll put the New Zealand GST onto it. But that's only if they're sort of major trading. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I buy The only stuff I really buy online is is stuff that you can't get anywhere else. I mean, I'm not... <laughs> yeah, net, dark net will still have no tax, oh. guys. Um, but, uh, no, uh, you know, I mean, buying cheap uh, crap never really interested me that much, or that wasn't why I w would get on uh, Amazon. But there might be somebody who, who you know, makes some artisanal product overseas or, or some one-of-a-kind thing that you can only get in a different country, and you'd order that. But you can't imagine that those sort of, you know, the great thing about the internet is you can order stuff off of anyone around the world, and so there's so many different options. Um, you know, say you're going to buy some even cheap Chinese crap from Amazon, and you don't want to pay the tax. If you go to a sort of uh, less used in New Zealand Chinese export portal, then are they going to charge the tax? And, and I mean, if you end up getting something that should have charged tax on, you know, is it your responsibility? Is it the retail's responsibility for not telling you? It seems very easy to avoid in the way it's set up, is I guess what I'm saying. 
Yeah. Well, I think most places that are doing like $60,000 worth of uh, trade a year are already going to be having some sort of international or at least in interstate, like in, if we're talking about the US, um, trade. So they already have those systems set up where there's the, because in the US all the states have different sales taxes, so it's, they're, they're already going to have the systems there and they're just going to have put New Zealand in it. I think really what it's, it speaks to is the lack of New Zealand's like manufacturing sector like if we're buying all this stuff from overseas because it's just not competitive in New Zealand and that's mm. yeah mm. any final words on the uh, Amazon tax just imagine if the government put as much effort into implementing bold innovative social policy sensible drug legislation researching into that as they did into taking other people's fucking money <laughs> It's, they've got. They seem to have endless resources to spare on where do, where do collecting they get the, tax. Where do they get the money for the tax. bold social policy? <laughs> it doesn't cost anything. <laughs> Just chuck it out. The only bold social policy is decriminalise things. That's Surely the only time. You know, he's right. It doesn't cost people anything to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. Absolutely, <laughs> something that is literally impossible. The whole point of saying is hand up, it's not handouts. Am I right, Bim? Ah, yes. Well, and on that note of um, our final slogans could we just um reiterate um if you've just tuned in recently it's rape awareness week at otago ah, yes. this week there's a currently an exhibition in union hall called what was i wearing that aims to dispel the myths that it's the victim's fault because of any clothing that they were wearing mm. it's really powerful and harrowing and you should definitely go then 23 cases in dunedin yeah. who are willing to display their outfits and talk about their stories i mean that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. How many are not? Of course, uh, we need this Awareness Week because the type of um, behavior that's still really encouraged and um, celebrated on campus uh, isn't quite all the way updated with um, male-female interpersonal relationships in the 21st century now. And the university doesn't really seem to take that seriously. I mean, they do, but we're kind of at a crossroads now where, you know talking about it and um, raising awareness is one of the most important things and they really are starting to do that uh, but you can only do so much of that if you don't sort of take out some of those unsafe conditions and uh, we're getting to the point where you know most of the sort of triage and harm reduction that we can do around this issue is attempting to be done without confronting the elephant in the room and that's kind of the um, you know, the, the wide, widespread uh, oversale of alcohol and the alcohol harm that goes on because, you know, you can, you can raise as much awareness as you want, uh, but when people oh, aren't no, even... Oh, see, the thing, it, it's not just alcohol. That's no. one of the myths they're trying to dispel. Well, no, but I'm yeah. saying I'm saying you can raise as much awareness as you want, but, you know, when, when uh, people aren't even aware of what's going on around them, then all that awareness, you know, really can't help you, is what I'm saying. Um, and and uh, even yeah, I mean uh, it's that that's not victim blaming. That's saying that uh, everything that the campus is doing is good, but there's one thing that we're not doing, and that's yeah. going to mean um, this stuff does keep happening, and that you know there is as many cases as there is that are are willing. Um, but to it's, even tell it's, their story. it's important not to blame the alcohol and blame the people who rape. Oh, I do blame the people that rape, but I think that um, 
that those people are often under the influence of alcohol. From there's, there's, there's an arguably a correlation between alcohol consumption and sexual assault. It's not a, that's not justifying it at all. But there is an argument. No, it's not justifying it, but it's a public health statistic. Mm -hmm. um, you can't. You know, quoting public health statistics is not irresponsible. In fact, that's the height of responsibility. Uh, and ignoring public health statistics and using virtue signaling to shut down arguments about public health statistics is actually exacerbating the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's the point I'm trying to make. This university is doing tokenistic gestures without confronting massive public health statistics. And this is why every year after year, despite this rising awareness, we keep being confronted with the same statistics, and I'm saying this awareness is great, and we need to do more. But we're coming up against an asymptote of, uh, you know, what our awareness can actually achieve. I guess, and uh, you know, call me a monster for thinking out loud, but uh, this, yeah, I, I like to discuss issues. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. Yeah, I was just, I was just making the point that it's not just alcohol. Yeah, no, I, I, and it's, it's important that we do make that point. But I just, I, I really find it offensive that, you know. Um, it, it, when you're trying to discuss these issues, people who aren't even listening or thinking about what you're saying can so easily misconstrue it and, and you know, sidetrack the argument, lead you off on a tangent, and not even have the, the substantive discussion that we're trying to sh have. It gets, like, shut down in an instant. Um, and, and I do feel, um, yeah, I, I feel like we need to just not do that because how are we going to, um, you know, if... If we have these exhibits that are supposed to uh, have thought-provoking conversations, but everyone's too afraid to say, you know, what they're thinking, then how can we have a thought-provoking conversation? Yeah. Um, and we'll just leave you with that <laughs> on politics. You're